Northeastern North Carolina. Good evening and welcome to tonight's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're tuned in to WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. I am your host, Bishop Hodges. This is the broadcast where we break down and we discuss the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. God designed and instituted marriage and the family to build our society on. Unfortunately, sin entered the picture and warped God's original design. The mission of Marriage and Family Clinic is to restore, build, strengthen, and perfect marriage and family relationships. You know, your joy, your peace, victory, your success are all dependent upon how you manage relationships in your life. And your most important relationship is the one that you have with God. And success in that relationship means worshiping and submitting to God in all things. And after your relationship with God, your marriage and family relationships are absolutely critical. Welcome again to Marriage and Family Clinic here on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. You know, I'm literally coming to you tonight from St. Louis, Missouri. I've been here for the last week attending the 111th Annual Holy Convocation of the Church of God in Christ. And this is a wonderful event because people have come from all over the world to enjoy and be filled and thrilled by the worship and the preach word. And, and this convocation has truly been dynamic. It's been energy-packed. It's been spirit-filled. The word has been challenging, convicting, directive, instructive, enlightening lightning, and any other adjective you can name and put on there. You know, one of the things that I enjoy most about attending convocation is seeing people whom I haven't seen in a long time and reuniting with them. I also get a kick out of uh, establishing new relationships with people and meeting people for the first time. All in all, this has just been a real great experience here at the Convocation in St. Louis this last week. But to be truthful with you, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> I'm ready to get out of here. Besides that, it's snowing and cold. It's been in the 20s for the last few days. All right. Well, let me get into tonight's talk. Uh, last week I talked to you about, uh, uh, we placed a lot of emphasis on meeting the needs of others and, and meeting our spouse's needs uh, as a way of making marriage work and making marriage great and productive and fruitful. Uh, and you know, uh, make no doubt about it though, a loving, fulfilling, fruitful, united, long-lasting, uh, wonderful marriage, it requires each partner to discover the other's needs and then each partner has to put a whole lot of quality effort into meeting the other's needs. Let me share a secret with you. It's impossible to have the relationship you desire if you remain stuck on yourself and having your own needs met. That's worth repeating. If your goal is to have your needs met, if you married somebody with the intention of having your needs met, it's impossible to have the relationship or the marriage that you dream about and that you so much desire. Truth is, so many of us don't even realize when we're being selfish in our marriage relationships. You know, we would do ourselves a whole lot of good if every now and then we would examine ourselves based on the love benchmark that is laid out in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verses 4 through 8. You know what it says. Love is patient, kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud, 
doesn't dishonor others, isn't self-seeking, isn't easily angered, it keeps no record of wrong, rejoices with truth. Love always protects, it always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. That's what I call the love benchmark recorded there in 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter. And if you want to know how effective your love is, here's a good test for you. If you want to know if your love is getting the job done, if your love is making your spouse fears, feel secure, uh, here's the love test for you. Check yourself out. Measure yourself, not against others, but against the benchmark that is 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And when we read the love benchmark in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, notice the chapter never promises a return on your love investment. It only describes the nature of love. This is how love behaves. This is how love acts. It never promises a return on your love investment. But I'm guaranteeing you tonight that if you learn to love serving your partner, if you really sow yourself and invest yourself into serving your partner and meeting your partner's needs, your spouse's needs, I'm guaranteeing you that you're going to watch your marriage transform. You know, we all have big dreams for our marriages. And some of us began having these dreams early in childhood. I know I did. I, I, I remember thinking and I knew real early, quite early, that I wanted to be married and have 10 children. Well, I, I wanted 10 children until we had one. And that part changed really quickly. But the being married part never changed. I knew I wanted to be married for a long time when I was very young, and I knew I wanted to be married one time. I just wanted to work. And many of us have formed these mental images of a loving, fulfilling marriage, and unfortunately, too many of us just don't possess the tools or the knowledge or self-awareness that's necessary to make our dreams come true. You dream of a profitable, productive, loving marriage, but we don't have the tools to work through some of the conflict that we go through. And the conflict that we go through takes a heavy toll on us. We do things we don't want to do. We say things we don't want to say, all because we lack the love tools or, or the necessary self-awareness and the knowledge of ourselves and the other in order to make the dream come true. Making the marriage dream come true is also difficult because many of us don't grow up learning that service is the path to fulfillment. And that's what I want to encourage us with on tonight. The benefit of serving your spouse. We never grow up learning that service is the path to a fulfilling life, let alone a fulfilling marriage. We don't know the value of service. And, and, and I'm speaking in general terms here, especially in Western culture. In restaurants, the wait staff believe they're entitled to tips regardless of the service they render. Airline flight attendants are rude. Cash register clerks don't say thank you. Uh, one day I was in a Burger King and a woman in the drive-thru. She received the wrong order, uh, items in her order. She came in to complain about it. And, and when she came in and told one of the clerks what she wanted, uh, and what she came in for, the clerk yelled to the manager, Complainer in drive through And I'm saying, oh my gosh, I was shocked at hearing that. Just that lack of customer service. And the list goes on and on and on. 
we just don't understand the value of service, yet the most successful businesses place a premium on customer service. The most prosperous businesses know that focusing on customer service is the key to building a profitable, long-lasting relationship with customers and a profitable, long-lasting business. You know, in Japanese culture, service is the order of the day. When my wife and I lived in Japan, we routinely ate in Japanese restaurants. We were always greeted warmly when entering, and, and I, I can count on one hand the number of times over 20-something years, the number of times that my water glass was less than half full. Japanese restaurateurs pride themselves on giving good service. And to top it all off, in Japanese culture, tipping is offensive. Service is just an integral part of the business, so we kept going back. Now, I'm not, I'm not really uh, uh, so shallow as to compare the relationship between a husband and a wife to the relationship between an airline and its customers, or a restaurant and its customers, a department store and their customers. However, the bottom line remains the same. Long-lasting, fruitfully, mutually beneficial relationships include a healthy dose of service. And if you want a long-lasting, fruitful, mutually beneficial, love-fulfilled marriage, then you'd better include a really, really healthy dose of service in your marriage. And service is the one thing that we just don't do well. Jesus added a truth to this thought when he said, He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And why should that mean any less? Or why should <coughs> or why should that be any less true in our marriages? Love always makes great sacrifices on behalf of the loved. And love gets its power from the level of the sacrifice it makes and the relief it brings when needs are met. And love meets needs because every expression of love is an act of service that is purposed to meet needs. Hence, the main goal of love is serving and meeting the needs of the loved. One of our favorite scriptures says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know it. That's John 3.16. In this one verse of scripture, God's expression of love is a sacrificial act of service that meets needs. So if you tell me in your marriage there is great love, I'm going to be looking for great sacrificial service. If you tell me there's long-lasting love, fruitful love, life-fulfilling love, I'm going to be looking for sacrificial service to be an integral, natural part of that marriage relationship. Serve each other. You know, service requires us to put our spouse's needs before our own needs. As a matter of fact, 
the best servers in the world are those who totally immerse themselves into meeting the needs of others. A good server in a restaurant, they get the biggest tips because they give you the greatest level of service. So the best servers are those who totally immerse themselves into meeting the needs of others. Again, you want great love in your marriage? Then have great service. Totally immerse yourself into serving your spouse. And this position of self-deprecation, I'm, I'm making myself second in the marriage relationship. I'm acquiescing. I'm putting myself last in the marriage relationship. That position may be uncomfortable and it's foreign to us because we become so vulnerable in a position like that. But it's only in such a vulnerable position that we're able to assure our spouses that we are really in it for them. It's only by living a life of second place in the marriage relationship that we're able to demonstrate and prove to our spouses that our love is real and we're really truly in it for them. You don't prove you love by going out and buying expensive gifts and going on expensive vacations and going into debt spending money you don't have trying to send a message you don't mean that's not love love is best demonstrated by living a life of service that's how we demonstrate that we're really in it for them you know i'm always reminding couples that if you are determined to be so much you if you are really bent on if you're really determined to be you and all that you are, then you will not be as good for the marriage as you can be. This statement, I'm pointing this statement square at those who are so determined to maintain their personal values, their personal belief system, to maintain their personal identity, even though those things have proven that those values and those belief systems don't serve the marriage well. If you're one of those spouses who maintain the determination to be who you are and I'm just not going to be anyone else, there is no flinching, there is no denying it, there is no changing, even though it's clear that those values and ways that they do not serve the marriage well, you do not meet your spouse's needs that way, your marriage will suffer and the quality of your marriage relationship will surely deteriorate over time. I don't mean I'm not trying to be a prophet of doom and gloom here. But this is a sure way to make a marriage disintegrate into two people who just live together and exist in the same house. If you don't include serving your spouse, that's exactly what you'll become. Just two people living in the same house together. My goodness. Wow. I just want to remind you that you are listening to Marriage and Family Clinic at WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. And I'm actually coming to you live from the cold, snowy city of St. Louis, Missouri, where I've been enjoying the 111th Holy Convocation of the Church of God in Christ. So glad you joined us this evening. Listen, don't forget, I'm always asking you to contact me. Email me at cdhodges.com 
at hotmail.com. Inbox me on Facebook. You can find me at Bishop Carl Hodges. Send me something to let me know you're listening. Let me know if the broadcast is doing anything for you. Let me know if you have any other topics that you would like for me to cover. Give me some response out there. We really need to hear from you. We need to know how well we're doing or, or which direction we need to go. But I can't figure that out. Can't determine it if I don't hear from you. So whatever's going on out there, if we're having an impact, if we're not having an impact, uh, if you like what you're hearing, what we're giving to you, please let us know. You can call me or you can email me at cdhodges at hotmail.com or inbox me on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. All right, and tonight I'm talking about the benefit of husbands and wives serving each other. You know, service requires us to step out of our value system and out of our own personal belief system and 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 our own personal ways. We've got to step out of those in order to rightly comprehend and, and place the right value on the needs of our spouses. And, and that's why service requires a significant degree of empathy. In order to serve, we've got to try our best to put ourselves in our spouse's shoes. And empathy always requires vulnerability. And so often, either the husband or the wife, when, when they feel emotions rising or things get a little hairy, it's, it's, it's kind of scary. When you do actually empathize with your spouse, when you do actually put yourself in your spouse's shoes, when you do actually decide, I'm going to acquiesce and, and I'm going to place my sec myself second in this relationship, when you do make those types of decisions, uh, you do become vulnerable. And, and I understand how that can be a little bit scary. But what I'm saying to you is that when you see your marriage relationship transform, and when you understand that you do get your needs met by meeting your spouse's needs, you will understand that there is safety in serving your spouse. Jesus taught this principle when he taught on how to live. L listen to Jesus from Matthew 7 and 12 in the Message Bible. Jesus says, here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do it for them. According to Jesus, the greatest expression of love is to lay down one's life for a friend. John 15 and 13. There is no place more appropriate to see the word and the love of God at work than in our marriages and in our homes. When Jesus says, here's a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior, ask yourself what you want somebody to do for you, and then grab the initiative and go do it for them. Where else should that work but in our marriages and in our home? When Jesus said, there is no greater expression of love than to lay down your life for a friend, who is a better friend than our husbands or our wives? Where can this expression, these expressions of love be more appropriate than in the marriage and in the home? There is no place more appropriate to see the word of God and the love of God work than in our marriage and in our homes. So one of the biggest obstacles that hinders us from meeting our spouse's needs, I got to say it again, 
in one way or another, one fashion or another, is the relentless striving to have our own needs met, whether it's through conscious effort or unconscious effort. We're striving to have our own needs met. We're striving to prove how, what love is for us. We're striving to get our spouse to meet our needs. Hence the self-awareness guiding principle that I told you about a couple of weeks ago is so imperative and it is so crucial. We have to understand and know ourselves well enough to know when I'm not serving my spouse, but when I'm into striving to get my own needs met, which automatically means I'm going to be ignoring my spouse's needs. And that's why I said earlier, and I still contend, that many of us lack the necessary degree of self-awareness that's needed to alert us to our own selfish ways. You know, we're well able to detect the slightest hint of selfishness in our spouse, the slightest hint of selfishness in somebody else. But somehow or another, just somehow, we end up ignoring and justifying and rationalizing and minimizing in ourselves some of the same traits that we detest in others. Listen to what Jesus says again in one of the most overlooked verses of Scripture in the Bible. Luke 6, it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's or your spouse's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own face. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this I know better than you mentality again, playing a holier than thou part instead of just living your own part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face. And you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Get yourself together and you'll be better for your spouse. And so many of us, when we feel like we have the upper hand in an argument or the upper hand in a debate or the upper hand in, in some sort of back and forth with our spouses, when we feel like we have the upper hand, we feel holier than thou. We feel a little swollen up. We feel like we want to puff up and we want to rub it in our faces. But the word of God says, Jesus says, wipe that ugly sneer off your face and get yourself together. You know, you've got to come to the realization that if my wife lose, I lose. If my husband loses, I lose. The only way we both win, the only way I can win is to help my spouse win. And the best way that I help my spouse win is sow myself, invest myself into serving my spouse. You know, Jesus' teaching in this scripture refers to what we now call blind spots. Listen carefully. All of us have a couple of blind spots. Blind spots are psychological or emotional biases we have that prevent us from seeing things the way they really are. <coughs> Usually people in your life notice your blind spots even when you don't notice them. People know when you're being blind to things, even when you don't. And oftentimes, so often, we won't understand that we're overlooking, we're ignoring, or we're denying a certain bias or certain factor in our life unless someone points it out to us. And it's not uncommon for parents to have blind spots for their children. Their children can do no wrong no matter what. You've seen those kind of parents. 
We all have blind spots in our personalities. We have ways that just irk the daylights out of others, but we seem to be oblivious to those ways. Growing in the area of self-awareness is the only means of combating blind spots. Want a love that makes deep, life-changing impact? Want to grow? Want a closer walk and a closer relationship with your spouse? One thing that'll help you tremendously, immensely, unimaginably, seek to know yourself. Real love includes service to our spouse, and real love must be without expectations. Love with expectations limits the power and the reach of love. My brothers and sisters, dare to love. Dare to love. And let me just reiterate. Love meets needs because every expression of love is an act of service that is purposed to meet needs. Hence, our goal in loving our goal of loving is to serve and meet the needs of our spouse. Love is going to be sacrificial acts of service that meet our spouse's needs. And you need to get that in your heart. That needs to be a controlling, motivating factor in your heart. That needs to be a controlling, motivating factor in your mind. You need to get that. Love is a sacrificial act of service directed to our spouse. From my heart, there are sacrificial acts of service. My mind is consumed with sacrificial acts of service because I found out that that's the way I get my needs met. So real love includes service to our spouse and real love must be without expectations. Because when you love expecting the love to be returned, it limits the genuineness of your love. And it reduces your power to reach out and pull your spouse in. Dare to love. I think I've told you before, but I'll say it again. I hope I can hear somebody repeating this around Hampton Roads. But love loves because love loves to love. That's just the nature of love. So if you want to know how your love doing, why don't you try asking your spouse to help you identify your blind spots. Those areas where others can note deficiencies in you that you deny or, or don't know about yourself. Help you ask your spouse, do I have any blind spots? Have you noticed anything? Is there anything about me that you think I'm overlooking? Uh, uh, ask your spouse that. But, but now, let me warn you, don't ask it if you don't want a real answer. Don't ask it if you don't want a real answer. Ask your spouse, does my love make you feel secure? Ask your spouse, how can I love you better? How can I love, tell me how I can love you better. Tell me what do you need from me by way of love. Look in the mirror and ask yourself, what am I willing to do and who am I willing to be in order to help my marriage become all that it can be? What am I willing to do and who am I willing to be 
in order to help my marriage become all that it can be. Wow. Can you name any negative traits in you that your spouse overlooks? What is it about you that you know your spouse overlooks? You know your spouse overlooks those things. Think about it. There's something about me that I know my spouse overlooks. Well, guess what? That's a sacrificial act of service and love that your spouse renders towards you. And when you see those things in your spouse that you overlook, just know that that's what you're supposed to do. Because that's the nature of love. I love, I love 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. We can't even claim to know God if we don't have love. And love, once again, love is all about rendering those sacrificial acts of service that meets your mate's needs, meets your spouse's needs. And it's all done from your heart. I can't stress it enough. Those sacrificial acts of service from your heart get over yourself deal with yourself dare to love my goodness hey you've been listening to marriage and family clinic do me a favor once again let me know you're listening to us send me send your questions to us send me your answers send me content that you would like to discuss look us up on facebook you can find us at Bishop Carl Hodges. Send me an email, cdhodges at hotmail.com. I look forward to being with you the same time next week. I look forward to hearing from you. This is Marriage and Family Clinic, WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. Remember, you can't have peace without surrendering to the Prince of Peace. This is your host, Bishop Hodges. Stay tuned. We'll see you next week.